Good afternoon um, and welcome to another episode of the Sunstrom HSEQ Leaders Podcast. As we're getting closer to Christmas, um, I'm, uh, I'm wearing a t-shirt here and, and a little down dress, but my guest today definitely isn't. That's uh, Andrew Chandran, who's going to join us today uh, on the podcast. Um, Andrew, thanks for coming on. Thank you, John. Thanks for inviting me. Well, as a safety professional, uh, fill in to our listeners, uh, I guess, the cliff notes of your career. Tell us about yourself and, um, and uh, yeah, a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career in work health and safety um, straight out of uni. So I finished my postgrad. Uh, I'll move straight into consultancy. Yeah. Okay, which is, which is a tough gig moving straight out of uni into being a consultant. But having said that, it gave me great exposure across multiple industries, multiple clients, and uh, had a lot of mentors as well. So it was very much learning, uh, very steep learning. Um, and uh, and uh, from there, from the consultancy space? I was uh, very lucky um, after that to get an opportunity in the oil and gas industry. So in the consultancy space, it was largely uh, mining and chemical industries. Uh, and then moving straight into oil and gas. I didn't really know what I was getting involved with, actually, but I went straight from consultancy to regulator. So suddenly I was an inspector now in the oil and gas industry at a state level. Um, and um, again, that gave me exposure to new people. Standards, you know, new standards was, I think, fundamental, uh, fundamentally different. And, um, of course, then for the next 14, 15 years, my career was in oil and gas. Um, how did you, if you if you don't mind me asking, because I get asked this awful lot, make that transition to oil and gas? How did you find that? Was that a, was that a uh, a big change from from coming from a consulting background? No, it was uh, it was relatively easy, well structured, understood. Um, because I was young and I didn't know anything, um, I was very much everything was new. So it really didn't matter where I went after consultancy. <laughs> Uh, everything was relatively new. And to be honest, I, I'd done it quite hard starting off in consultancy. And so I felt that uh, I had a bit of confidence to take on new challenges as well. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, before we go into the career side, who are you? Who are you outside of, of work in a, in a professional capacity, Andrew? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, outside of work, you know, I mean, I mean I'm a dad, you know, I'm a husband, um, I'm a martial artist, so I instruct and I coach in that respect so also learn you're always learning do you know what I mean and it's a good way mm. to sort of uh, taper out that uh, ego and manage uh, that humility as well um, other than that I'm a bit of a nerd so yeah I play uh, you know trading card games I hang out at a local game store uh, talking strategy tactics with the locals there I'm a budding musician you can see this uh, guitar in the background I'm really enjoying that I've been doing that for less than 12 months um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a bit about me. I guess that strategy piece comes in well uh, in your professional life, but uh, why uh, why did you choose safety as a career choice straight out of uh, out of uni? I mean, that would have uh, that wouldn't have been so common, I guess, when you probably left uni to go straight into safety as it is perhaps no. these days. No, I, I completed my chemistry and pharmacology double degree in uh, ninety. Let's see, it was 97. Uh, and my lecturers in my final year, Alan McKinley and uh, the late Terry Quickenden, actually proposed health and safety uh, to the final year chemistry classes. This is an area that you can move into, right? Mm. Not because they'd 
blown up one of the laboratories in the past or anything like that, but uh, they were hot on health and safety at that particular time. And it was really expanding. And as a young person who didn't really have any better ideas, I moved into it. And honestly, John, that's it. I didn't have a better idea. Sounded pretty interesting. And as I got into health and safety, I realized, wow, this is a very broad discipline. Mm. And then I fit very well into the occupational hygiene area with my pharmacology chemistry background. And that's what I did. I largely work in occupational hygiene. Um, a, uh, a really rare skill set um, in the, the hygiene the hygiene space. And I know we've, uh, we've talked about that. Do you think the hygiene gave you a solid foundation, I guess, uh, to, as your career progressed? 100%. 100%. Um, and fun, strangely enough, the, the strongest supporters I had in my career were process safety people. Yeah. Because right. hy hygienists and process safety people had a very similar way of looking at hazards. You mm. keep hazards yeah. in the pipe in process safety and hygiene is very much the same as well. If you can contain the hazard, then people can't be exposed to it. So we very much thought along the lines of keeping hazards contained you know, how they're generated, how they're transmitted, because if you can control that, you can control the exposure to a person. And if you don't have exposure, you don't have risk. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you obviously had that foundation coming through, which I think probably a lot of other people might have learned uh, later on in their careers. But uh, what's that? What's the biggest learning for yourself? Uh, that you, If you could go back and, and you know, speak to, to younger you um, at the start of your career, you know, what would you say? I think um, don't be afraid to fail. Mm. Um, don't pursue comfort because there's no growth in a comfort zone. If you want to grow and develop, you've got to get a bit uncomfortable from time to time, but not overdo it. Take mm. on challenges that you can succeed at. And as you get those wins, it'll build your confidence. And then you can take on bigger challenges and you go from there. Yeah. I think that's um, a, a good lesson for for a lot of professionals, regardless of safety or uh, for otherwise. But um, what about what about advice for safety professionals? You know, what would your what would your big uh, big ticket piece of advice be for perhaps people further on in their career that are looking for development? Um, yep. Where where would you uh, where would you point them? Be the best educators and influencers that you can be. There's no point having all this knowledge in here when the people that are at risk are out there, right? If you can educate and you can guide them and they can understand and the light bulb starts switching on and then obviously being able to influence people that can spend the money, do you know mm. what I mean? Then you become a bit more of a holistic health and safety professional. Have a business background, you know? It's really all business. Mm. And the other thing is, like I said before, with hazards and exposure, is we need to stop using the term risk uh, too much in everyday conversations about risk. We need to be starting to using the terms hazard and exposure, which are on the left-hand side of the bowtie diagram, because conversations around those two parameters start to become around hazard management and exposure management, which is where people's train of thought needs to be. If they want to reduce their risk, they need to be on that side of the bowtie diagram. So I would like to see us stop stop using the term risk so much in everyday conversations. 
I think uh, I think that might be easier said than done, as I think risk is becoming a more of an overarching term just across corporate function, across all corporate functions in in general. Yes. Um, and uh, perhaps that detracts from from where safety is going. Um, but you've been a hiring manager, Andrew. What what do you look for when uh, when you're building teams um, yourself? Yep. If I can identify humility in a candidate. That's a really important one because humility means that the person has got great potential to grow and develop and to learn and to want to learn. Mm. Um, the thing is, um, I know that some hiring men, you know, some guidance that people get in interviews is, you know, stop using the terms we so much because they want to know what you did. What did you do? How did you do that? How did you get the results? But I like using the term we in interviews and I like it when candidates use that as well because ultimately they're all hired to be a part of the team. Now, there are exceptions to that, but ultimately if you're hired to be a part of a team, it's nice to see that you are a team player. And I think that comes through in the language as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, even even for leaders, right, um, to be able to recognise the performance of a team because if you're a leader, I mean, you know, the argument would be said that, uh, you, you know, you're only as strong as your team. So what, is, what does that look like for you, Andrew? Leadership. I mean, talk me, talk me through that. How do you lead and um, what yeah. is good leadership for you? Okay. So most of my understanding of leadership has come through my martial arts training. The first thing I'll say is a leader is the first. Okay. You can't lead from behind. Fact. You cannot lead from behind. So a leader is someone who is first. Now, this comes down to people that are very good at being first. Mm. And there are people who are very good at being first and being correct. Right? So a leader is someone that can act quickly. Right? They don't sit there and procrastinate. Sometimes you don't have that luxury. So a leader is someone that can act quickly. However, mm. a good leader is someone that can act correctly quickly. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's the skill of experience, though, right? To be able to be reactive when, when needing to be. That's right. Um, you've had a few iterations of careers, you know, from, from consultancy, hygiene, oil and gas, to, to where you are now. Um, whether personally or, or, I guess, indirectly, who, who's been a leader for, for your professional development, um, well, inside and outside work, that, uh, you know, sticks out for you? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people. Um, the first and foremost is uh, Alan Riley, who's not just been a mentor to me, but a dear friend. I should probably highlight that all my mentors are retired. Um, you know, so Alan was the person that saw something in me, right, and helped to bring that out. And that's that's wonderful thing if you can find someone who can do that. And I always think it's always best when mentors choose the mentee rather than the other yeah, way around because absolutely. they see something in you that they want to bring out. Um, Wayne Powers. So Wayne Powers um, in occupational hygiene, a pinnacle of integrity and credibility and, you know, always did the right thing. And Dr. Barry Chesson, so a member of the Order of Australia. Mm. I think everyone knows Barry Chesson. Um, Barry's just been absolutely stable throughout my entire career. Um Pam Gunn, so Pam Gunn was one of the, the top, uh, you know, acoustic engineers, regulatory acoustic engineers in the state here with the mines department before she retired. Uh, John Clegg, who was the original CEO of the National Offshore Petroleum Safety Authority, 
we had a very special relationship, John and I. Um, I would walk past his office and he would just say, get in here. Mm. You know, what do we need to do? What should we be focusing on? And I'd tell him and he'd say, all right, what do you need from me? And that was the sort of person John was. And it's wonderful when you have a leader like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, working with these leaders and, and yourself being a leader, where, where do you see the... Uh... The, uh, the the profession evolving in the uh, in the future that's an excellent question uh, something I've been thinking about you know I have this saying it's not really saying it's not occupational health or safety it's occupational health and safety right but how many professionals in work health and safety are both capable in the health aspects as well as the safety aspects you know, going forward as a, as a profession, I would like to see that people develop skill sets to balance out where they're perhaps weak, rather than people call themselves health specialists or safety specialists. They are health and safety specialists, right? Professionals. I think going forward in the industry, we need to be a bit careful as well, this particular um, industry, because there are a lot of people who would consider themselves health and safety practitioners, but that needs to be um, separated from a health and safety professional. So yeah. I think particularly here in Australia with the professional institutes, we need to be very clear what are the criteria that differentiate a practitioner from a professional. And I can tell you, it's not a master's degree because I used to hold the highest professional certification we had in the country. And I just gave it away because I just did not think it had integrity, right? Mm. But I think that's where we need to go down the path is we need to be very clear what makes a health and safety professional as distinct from a practitioner because anyone can practice, but professionals are the people that should be practicing the correct way. I mean, there's a, there has been a discussion around that, uh, you know, creating a professional accreditation body for, for quite some time. Um, you know, I mean, there are that within the UK and the US. How far away do you think we are in, in Australia for, for having that? And uh, and why is the importance of having that for that matter? Absolutely. So um, I think if we can, uh, you know, marry up with uh, international uh, criteria, that would obviously be a starting point. So you're not just recognised in Australia, but you, you recognise at an international level because you meet that criteria across the board. I think that we in Australia are probably within the next five years away from getting to that point. Uh, undoubtedly, there'll be a grandfathering type of process, which, you know, is a double-edged sword. Is uh, it could water down the initial entrance, right? Because they're simply not going to be assessed. They're just going to get grandfathered straight into it, mm. and then there's going to be the new candidates coming in with all these tertiary qualifications. And let's face it, that's probably going to be a big criteria: the tertiary mm. qualifications. I'm not sure what my MBA had anything to do with health and safety when I got my certification, but it's one of the key things I needed. John was just having mm. a master's degree, you know, and um, I think that um, yeah, it's definitely one to keep uh, a lookout for. But we also need to be very careful. Um, and the reason why I say uh, safety professionals need to be good educators is because there are a lot of talkers out there. There are people that are great at sales and marketing. What are they selling, right? Mm -hmm. And if health and safety professionals 
can become better educators and influencers, then they're going to be selling the right things, right? The right way. And that's what people need to buy. People need to buy that. Mm. No, absolutely. Um, the, uh, the question I always finish with, though, uh, it's a fair answer. You know, if you could uh, go back and do anything different um, in your career, would you Would you have? Or uh, are you content in the, the learnings and the pathway that you've had to, to get where you are? I'm pretty broad-based now. Um, some of it by design, others just uh, circumstance. Hmm. No, no. I think to the only thing that could have been different and could have put me in a different place was whether I whether I sacrificed integrity to go up the line. Hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Like you know, do you, and I think that's that's one of those that probably understanding why you are you're happy and content in the roles that you have made uh, and and moves yes. that you have made in your career, right, Andrew? Yes, absolutely. And I wouldn't have had the mentors I had had I gone down a different path. So I'm very yeah. grateful to that. Yeah. And I think um, yeah, that's a I think it's a good tenant for anyone to live by, right? Is uh, to recognise that um, because it's. Uh, you know, reputation follows with you uh, throughout your career. Love it. Um, well, Andrew, thank you very much for jumping on um, for this pre-Christmas edition, mate. Um, and uh, it is always good to chat. And uh, I'll put a, a link to your LinkedIn there in the in the show notes. That uh, Andrew, thank you again for uh, for taking the time to uh, uh, educate us all on on your uh, your approach to safety and uh, how you've gotten to where you are today. Good on you, John. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot for joining us for another episode of the Safety Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you reach out and connect with myself as well as Sunstrong Recruitment on LinkedIn. We are the specialists health and safety recruitment in WA. Um, looking forward to uh, the next episode and maybe getting to know you. Cheers. Mm-hmm.